0: Hello friends and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. U-Turn, friends. Today is just another freaking abundant day on the U-Turn podcast because I'm bringing one of my favorite people onto the show, and that is... Dr. Nita Busha, Or do we say you're, you're a new last name since you've gotten married? It's not really that new. I mean, it's kind of... Sure, you can. Yeah. If, if we can pronounce
1: it right, Nualca.
0: Yeah. And so she's a married woman, as you can hear. Obviously, it's a very formal bio. I want to start with who I know her to be as a friend. Nita is one of the most generous, resilient, people I know in my group. She has gone through so much loss. And if you haven't listened to that episode that I recorded with her about her life and grief and processing loss, it's pretty incredible what she went through at a young age, losing uh, key people in her family and raising siblings and raising herself and becoming a dentist and then really tapping into her true calling, which has been creating content for everyone's well-being. She has a new book out, called that sucked. Now what? And I literally couldn't think of someone better to talk to us about what to do when shit sucks. You know, she also just showed me that she has some conversation cards that are so much fun. And I'm going to ask her all about it. She has even more than that going on. And today we're going to talk about like, how do you get more resilient? Um, And as far as her more formal bio goes, my friends, she is the founder of the Global Grit Institute. She's a mental health education. Well, by the way, it's a mental health education platform for leaders and coaches. She is co-founder of the Dharma Coaching Institute, which is hosted. I don't know if you've um, seen the episode I've had with Sahara Rose on here, who's so brilliant and writes about Dharma as well. So it's a coaching organization helping thousands live their best lives. And I have had... Um, different people come into my world talking about how helpful that institute has been. Um, But most of all, she's really just here to help us move past heartbreak, move past failure, move past disappointment. And it's such a good time for me to be having her on here as a friend because I'm in a new relationship, which I mean, how many freaking times have you guys all heard me say this in the past five years? We don't even know. Hopefully this one sticks. I think it will. But point being, there's so much attachment that we can all feel in our lives when things are going well? And how do we have uncomfortable conversations that risk the relationship? How do we normalize conversations around mental health? Um, How to embrace the mess of the human experience? So without further ado, hi, Nita. I love you. Thanks for coming. Oh my God. I love you, Queen. What an intro. Such a boss.
1: You're such a boss at integration.
0: You know we got all sorts of different friends and I feel like you put different friends in different boxes and you're like in a very special box. And I hate to say that I box people, but like who the fuck doesn't subconsciously, you No, know, <laughs> you're in a very special box
1: as well. I feel like yeah. I can just call you. We haven't talked yeah. for a very long time, but I'm like, all right, drop it in. Boom. Yep. What's up?
0: Boom. Let's go. Exactly. It's so seamless. And I also feel like you're someone who doesn't have expectations. Mm. That's my experience. Like you have standards. There's a difference, right? But I don't see you being someone who guilts other people on your behalf for anything. Like you feel like a no excuses play like a champion, like self-sufficient autonomous being. So I really look up into you in that way. And I'm curious, like, can you give everyone a little background just in case they haven't heard the other episode, just about your general experience with things sucking and now you <coughs> kind of rising into this mental health lens of helping people really overcome their challenges? Yeah. I mean.
1: So I, I want to first acknowledge you for, you know, shouting meow as that kind of a friend. And I feel like it's because I've been through a lot of the suck and been through a lot of like survival mode in my early years of life that I'm like, you know, the the closest people around me were friendships. You know, when I lost my mom, when my mom was going through cancer, you know, between 10 and 16, when I was growing up. When my brother died immediately after my mom, when all of the friends came together from high school, and you know, in high school, everyone's kind of like trying to fit in and you're doing the whole thing. I actually wasn't. I was, you know, in, in this like mess in soup and it was very awkward and weird because, you know, I'm already, I'm like racially ambiguous. I yeah. look so different. You get a lot of attention because people are like, what are you? And, you know, my parents are, are immigrants and, and, you know, dad's from India, mom's from the Philippines. And so there's this like mix. So you're already kind of in this, we're going to talk about boxes in this box, but then mm-hmm. you have so much tragedy that happens. Um, And so I think from an early age, I, I learned like, okay, I have to garner community. I have to create community, but I need to be that friend as well so that I can also cultivate people in my life that's going to be there through this like shit storm that I was really in for a very long time. And then, so that I feel like started in high school. Um, but then, you know, at 19, I lose my dad. So it's like my mom, my brother, and my dad all before I was 20. And I had to raise my younger brother and that in and of itself, (laughs) for those of you who, you know, I started the Brave Table podcast to talk about a lot of these brave conversations. And we're still kind of healing our relationship, mine and my younger brothers, because it was just, I didn't know how to parent a younger person. And I was also young at the time. And so so that's really given me a lot of grit, a lot of resiliency. um, As I started my journey then, and in my 20s, really uh having to confront a lot of loss and death and then I fell in love I did what any you know um, person raised from with immigrant parents do you know the overachieving that became my uh coping mechanism the overachieving the overdoing, the overgiving I felt like I needed to earn my worth because I didn't want anybody to feel bad or like you know, me that i was broken because i had all of this loss so i was a little bit ashamed of it as well and then you know got married and and found myself in the biggest emotional uh mental spiritual kind of death experience in many ways because i had to really confront what was for me and i realized that i was in an abusive toxic relationship and that was the beginning and the end of that death of me in saying fuck yes to myself and and starting all over unlearning relearning but fully actually breaking down for the very first time and And when I say breakdown, it was like asking for help. Like, I cannot do this alone. I am scared. I feel like I'm going to be judged because I had built this like persona of me as a cosmetic dentist and doing all these things and even getting a practice before I was 30, you know, like seven figures, all the things. And then I was just just so afraid that like this imposter is going to be found out and she's just going to be broken. But that was exactly everything that I needed to fall apart so that I could pick myself back up and really champion what I'm doing right now.
0: Hey, U-Turners. This episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and their vanilla protein powder. Due to my diagnosis of Lyme disease, I'm really careful with what I put in my body on an ongoing basis. And I smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their powder and gave it a thumbs up. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, almost no sugar. It's, it's kind of perplexing that it actually is something at all. <laughs> their chocolate protein powder, I love to put with nut milk, cashew butter, and f- frozen blueberries, while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk. This smoothie is my fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I just have a sweet tooth, just so good. I mean, here's the thing, it's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee, but the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue and it turns out the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean, organic superfood blends address these problems with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier with one scoop of protein powder to add so many more nutrients into your diet. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their incredible products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the code U-Turn at checkout for 20% off. There's so much I want to say. First of all, I was just um, on a date with the new squeeze last night. The new man. The new man. And he was talking, we were talking about friendship and like, to have a friend, you need to be a friend. And we were talking and you were kind of pointing that out, like the importance of being a friend and having them and community and choosing your family through community yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um. And it's interesting. We don't get to choose our family or maybe we do depending on your spiritual beliefs, Um. but we do get to choose and curate our friends. And I feel like you're somebody like me who's been so intentional about that. I do feel like you're around a lot of energy. So I'm always curious about personalities like yours, like Mm. when you're in the midst of a lot of different energy, what is going on for you? Because the conversation I had last night was that there's a lot of people who think that they're friends with somebody. But if you ask the person, are you friends with them? The person will say, not really. Mm. And I find that fascinating, you know, Mm. that we might think we have certain people that Are our friends, but they might not count us as friends. Everybody has different needs, different wants, different values, different desires. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, so
1: that's that is a big one. I, you know, I also feel that like there are within friendships, there are varying levels and degrees of friendships. Like, I feel like we're just one of those people where a lot of folks may think we are their best friends. Yes. And because we can be so good, and we're so good at cultivating friendships and going deep, and actually being there and allowing we got a lot of love like people to love feel heart seen, heart yeah, presence, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you're kind of like, all right, let's go. And you're not, we're not afraid to wear our like emotions on our sleeves, our hearts on our sleeves, and say, "Take me as I am, twerking, non-twerking, all the things, all the crazy, like." this is the many facets of me and and here here's where we are but you're right and then there's also folks who I'm like hey like we're so like i i love you and then they just have their very core group of intimate friends that maybe they've been besties for i don't know 15 10 20 or they grew up together or something like that can't compete with that but i think what we are actually talking about here is how do we still show up regardless Regardless yeah. of any expectation at the end of the day, like I yeah. know how I see you and what how you make me feel, and how whenever we're, you know, together, it's like, all right, this is the magic. This Anderson. is the alchemy. this is the container. Yeah. and it feels yeah. so good. And I think that's yeah. all we can control, really, or we have these difficult conversations within friendships, too. And that's really what I yeah. talk about in the book as well. It's like, you know, if you want honesty and a friendship, are you open and are you willing to have hard conversations to actually bridge the gap to make you even tighter if that's well, so what you're, you're calling in?
0: This is a weird thing that I've been processing lately too is like, how to decide what to share, because I feel like some people overshare because they can't regulate themselves and they can't self-soothe. So they just share, share, share so that they can try and feel better through other people. Mm -hmm. I've been that person. Other Mm -hmm. people don't share at all because they don't know how to share. And the healing on both sides is opposite, right? Like for the person who overshares, it's about learning when to sit with yourself. Mm -hmm. And for the person who doesn't share at all, it's about learning when to share. So for me, vulnerability has been such a doozy because I just live vulnerably. It's who I am so openly and honestly. And so it's been tough for me even in a new relationship to be like, do I share this session with my therapist that I had today about worthiness and my own worthiness with this new partner? Or do I self-soothe and sit with this part of me that doesn't feel worthy and doesn't need to share that with him? Oh, that's so good. Vulnerability is so freaking confusing in Mm -hmm. that sense, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely, because
1: I can totally relate with you on the oversharing and like the, you know, the idea of like, if it's a new person in your life, how much of it do we share? And sometimes if we do overshare, especially when it's a new love romantic relationship, and I think also even in friendships too, right? If we're like dating a new friend – so to speak. And we're kind of like, oh, this person's really cool. Like, do we drop in right away or is it like snacky? Like, here we go on a walk. Here's a little bit. Here's a little bit more. But, you know, and I think sometimes it takes like five to 10 times, but I think it's like, yeah, let's treat it like uh, an actual love relationship because we don't want to like over vomit and then overshare And then they're like, whoa, okay, what's going on here? But then sometimes you're in a container, like you go on a retreat for a weekend and you meet somebody that like, or an event or like, you know, a networking event and it's two to three days. And you're like, oh, that's my, that's my, that's like my person here. We're just going to connect. And then because you have that shared experience or shared bond or going to like something like Burning Man or you know, like that time where we always tried, almost try to get you to come to my 40th in Turkey, that's a full bonding event, right? Because yeah. we're, yeah. we're then creating shared memories. It's in a different spot. It's in a different environment. And I think those are places where we could actually then, you know, it's, it's a container to go deeper.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. And I feel like with all of this depth in your life and a lot of people have different, different areas of their life that they have a lot of connection, whether it's with their partner or their friends, and maybe some people are working on creating that comes attachment. So you have faced attachment head on by losing a parent, by losing both parents, by losing siblings, you know, it's, it's, so how do you navigate? Like, for example, right now you're married, you have two kids. I love your man. I love your kid. Like they're just so yummy. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you live your life and not feel attached to them or how do you navigate I don't know feeling like okay I'm going to have an uncomfortable conversation in my marriage and maybe it's going to suck and like for anyone listening who probably needs to have an uncomfortable conversation mm-hmm. right now how can they get started
1: Yeah so good and and there's so there's two points that I want to share first around the attachment piece I think that, you know, for gosh, the the amount of work and healing when that door and that portal finally opened, like, you know, kind of during my Saturn return time around, you know, when I initially turned 30, it was like, like full blown. And I had to sit with the discomfort of impermanence. And I felt in the early stages of my healing, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, the universe's way of really showing me what impermanence is that, you know, there's that we're, we're just, we're all fleeting. And, you know, a lot of the processing, it kind of gave me languaging to, and peace and, you know, a little bit of this cathartic experience of like, okay, this is why we're here. This is, this is why these things happen. And it, you know, it was able, it was able for me to, to actually integrate those times that were really awful and heart-wrenching and, Um, and painful. But yet when we get back into relationship, when I found my man,
0: you know, attachment
1: stuff still comes up. It's like, that's Buddha's way of thinking that like, yes, we're all impermanent and, you know, impermanence is the way to be and, and, and all of that. And But when you actually get into partnership again and allow yourself, because there was a period of time where I was like skeptical and I was like, all right, this is my little bubble. I'm going to just focus on me. And that was really nourishing and healing at the time. And then now we're a family unit, family of four. And I have two, and I can tell you this, um, there was a lot of anxiety when I got into motherhood, huge. I think so much so that this was the reason why this book was birthed, honestly, because I had to have so many difficult conversations, you know, not just in business, not just in the kinds of partnerships, because I, you know, we do invest in things, but also for myself. And so I think I've become really good at having these difficult conversations where we're now, I'm like, okay. Bring it on because when you actually say yes to the difficult conversation, and and I used to do this a lot. I used to run away from it. I used to bury it, shove things under a rug, pretend everything's okay. And if we want to go deeper with someone, if we want to go deeper with a friendship or a love relationship we've got to be able to be okay with repair and reconciliation and and right. and that's the thing that most of us don't know how to do or we have wounding around it or because the attachment stuff comes up and we're fearing abandonment hello that was my thing fear of yeah. abandonment so then for me it was like let's i can't break up with anyone i'm going to have these overlapped relationships until something yeah. goes wrong or you know, God forbid, something really goes wrong, and I have to actually, like, yeah, leave. um, and so in that process of saying being vulnerable, this goes back to vulnerability of saying, hey, like i I have I just have something on my mind, something on my chest that I really want to share. Is this a good time for you? So ask for permission if this is a good time to have a conversation that's been on your mind because the other person cannot read your mind. I know for many years I'm like, well, they'll just know what I'm feeling. Actually, no they won't cuz there was a point where I didn't want to share all of the crazy that I'd been through cuz I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want people to like put me in a box of like, oh, she's been through some stuff. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't want it to be like a competition of like, oh shit, like, what can I share? So, I would just, I would, I w- it would be one of those where I'd share if I was asked, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't start because I was so afraid of like that vulnerability piece. But again, it's, it's how do you want to show up in relationship? How do you want the other person to receive you in a relationship? And are you willing to then lean into the discomfort and build that muscle of resiliency? Because every time, you're asking for permission to share what's on your mind and you're not making people feel bad. You're just stating whatever the scenario is. So two is like state the facts of what's going on. Hey, I've noticed that every time we hang out, you're not present. I've noticed that every time I've asked you to go for coffee, you know, you're you're giving me the runaround. You're like, we're not able to connect. Is everything okay, right? So, you know, and then state how it's making you feel. That's the third thing state how it's making you feel. I really feel that like I really want to connect. I really want to go deeper with you, but I feel like I'm hitting a wall here. Is that just me? You know? And, and, and so invite the ability to have dialogue and come from a place of curiosity instead of judgment. Cause the judgment piece could look like, oh, well, you know, you're, I, I feel like the last few times I've asked you to come to coffee, you like, you don't want to hang out, you know? Like, is that what's going on? So, there's a way and an intonation of how we can bring things up coming from a place of love and compassion and, you know, empathy. And then finally, you know, we're, we we want to ask for a resolution, a resolution, and and basically even come to an agreement, especially when we're on different pages of things. So four and five is a resolution and agreement. Sometimes if things get heated and heavy with people that are close to you, or maybe you were besties for a while, or maybe it's like awkward and you're like in the initial phases of the relationship. And so you're kind of like, all right, hey, I noticed that we're just not on the same page right now. Can we circle back on this later? That's Mm -hmm. asking for a resolution. Or Mm -hmm. can we get something on the calendar so that, like, it would really make me feel good? Does that sound okay to you? Again, an agreement, right? Um, And coming from a place of, again, like, I don't know how many times I can reiterate from a place
0: of love there. Hey U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. We all know that a complete night of sleep is essential to optimize our wellness and our general well-being. Cured's Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing that you get that full night of sleep every single night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full-spectrum cannabinoids. Some people just can't fall asleep. Other people can't stay asleep. And then there's those that fall asleep and stay asleep, but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what's keeping you from your truest rest and restoration, this sleep bundle is such a solution. Think of it as a one-two punch for a body and brain reset. When it starts to kick in, I notice every inch of my body soften into a deeper state of relaxation as if I'm laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to the U-Turn community. You can grab Zen and CVN in the sleep bundle for an extra 20% off Cured's already discounted price by heading over to www.curednutrition.com uturn U-Turn and using the coupon code U-Turn at checkout. That's www.curednutrition.com, C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and the coupon code U-Turn at checkout to save an additional 20% off. To improve your life, you need to improve your sleep. Now let's get back to this week's. It's episode. it's easier said than done, too, right? Because some people have so much panic and terror, and I don't blame them. It can be really scary to have hard conversations. Yeah. That it's like you can't be in love when you feel freaking insane. Like you just—I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that term in 2022. Insane. I feel like—is that an approach? Oh my god! I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> right. Um, the intention of just feeling wild and like. I just think to myself, like, how do you regulate or normalize that in your nervous system for yourself? What do you do for yourself before you enter into that? And how do you prevent the fear of loss because – or what do you do with that? Like, you've gone through a lot of loss. And I think a lot of people don't want to have hard conversations or they don't want to be themselves because – they fear our loss. Yeah. Um, when they face that, when they have those conversations. So how do you become more fearless when these challenging conversations can translate into some sort of loss, even if you get yourself back in return?
1: Oh, yes. Loss. The idea of loss in a relationship, I mean, that's a that's a big one. There's a concept that I talk about in the book, and um, you know, that suck, now what? And the subtitle is how to embrace the joy and chaos and find magic in the mess. Now there's two things here, joy and chaos. Okay. Two paradoxical emotions. They don't normally sit with each other, but we're bringing all of ourselves to the table. We're bringing the juicy, we're bringing the magic, we're bringing the madness. And many times there is that risk involved of like, all right, I am going to Put myself out there, and it might not go well. I am going to ask for a promotion or a raise. I might not get it. In fact, I maybe I won't get it. But the thing is, is we were brave enough to ask. We were brave enough to put ourselves out there. We're brave enough to to lean into a discomfort because when we are leaning into discomfort, our brain waves, our new neural pathways are starting to get formed. And we're exposing ourselves to a concept called good stress. And good stress is one of the four that make up your bounce factor. And it's, you know, I have my cards here and these are the cards that I created because there are four parts to building your bounce factor, which actually builds your resilience and this was sparked by one of the women that I ran into and actually she got a hold of my very first book emotional grit and this was in 20 oh gosh 2016 but Anyways, I was in the Bay Area and it's a really quick story. So, I was in the Bay Area promoting my book and it was all around, you know, um, you know, changing the tides of leadership. They got a hold of my story and she's this mom from, you know, Palo Alto, which is like Silicon Valley and like hardcore um, you know, the 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 students that go there are from like the tech, you know, big giants and they all we're asking can you come and do a talk to our students and and to the moms actually because we've just lost 3 kids this year to suicide oh and gosh. is it okay can you actually build resilience because my first book was emotional grit they're like can you actually build resilience without going through this stuff that you've went through as a teenager can you speak to this to our teens and i'm like uh okay shit just got real because Um, Yes, we can talk about building grit from this acronym and resiliency from what I knew growing up and going through and processing my own grief was toughness, right? Your mental toughness, your emotional toughness, and that's really not what this is. And so that's really what got me so curious and so just adamant about, all right, what are the other layers to this, to building that, to actually facing a loss, to building um, you know, resiliency during adversity. And it's your upbringing. It's your exposure to good stress, which is what I just shared. And the third is your emotional capacity to really feel. So those two paradoxical emotions that they could all exist all at the same time when you're mm. having a difficult conversation. And then the last part of that is Your radical self awareness, like you actually knowing in your body, like, okay, what's feeling right? And like you were saying, how do we regulate our nervous system? I mean, one of the things I normally do is even just like talking to you, like putting my hand over my heart because I know that signals from a physical lens. I feel like I'm in my body. I'm nowhere else. I'm not trying to deflect or bypass. I'm here and it doesn't feel right because I have to share something with you that is going to. Maybe cause a little bit of a heart racing, but right. I can actually feel myself right now and honor yeah. that,
0: you know, yeah it's easy it's it's so amazing. I know that our group and you especially've done a lot of work on yourself. I've been sitting in therapy for like fifteen years, and some days I have nothing to talk to her about. I go once a month or every other week um when things are present for me and I find. Have you been with the same therapist or have you switched? Um, The past five years, I've been with the same one, but every like five to eight years, I switch it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one that I've I've been with now has just been so like, she's so booked and she always makes me feel like she has space for me. We have such a special bond and she's so sharp. Um, But yeah, I, I feel like you talk a lot about tiny ways to triumph over hard times and you're that sucked. Now what book? And I want to hear a little bit more about like right now, I feel like is a collective tough time. And I think there's a lot of good, obviously, always. But I'm seeing an unusual spike in mental health challenges that has come in the wake of things kind of softening with COVID restrictions. Yeah. It's like we were all in fight or flight on a collective level, just trying to not get people sick, trying to not get ourselves sick, parents, people dying, all of these awful challenging things. Mm-hmm. And I think now that we're all taking this collective breath where the restrictions have softened, a lot of mental health issues that were on the back burner are coming into the foreground because now people have time. To feel versus be in panic. So curious what your take is on like, how do you find the little sliver of joy in the tough times? How do you overcome that? And I don't know, like, what is nobody telling us about our resilience that we need to understand better?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, like there's, so there's good ways to cope, right? There's good ways to cope with our stress, with our anxieties, with our overwhelm, with our emotions, and there's bad ways. And we already know the bad ways, right? Like we know that usually when something bad happens, it's so easy for us to shove it under a rug because we want to avoid, we want to bury, we want to we want to distract ourselves, and I don't know about you, but like me growing up, like you, like for me, my family always said, "Need the you know tough girls, big girls don't cry." And mm. so for so many years, it was okay. Yeah, tough girls don't cry. If you're resilient, you're you're tough, you're strong. But what does that actually even mean? So if you take mm. a glass of water or a glass, and you and it's tough and it's And it's strong and it's, you know, it's, it's, you think that it's not going to break, but if you let it go, it's going to shatter. Yeah. Right. And so, so when I use that concept and, and if you start thinking of a ball or, you know, who that's also tough, or maybe even those aerial dancers, if you've ever taken like aerial yoga and like you're on, you're suspended from like the fabric, but you have to kind of go and ebb and flow. Basically, they have this bounciness to them because they have to be agile. They have to be in flow. They have to be okay with sometimes sitting in the sock because most of the times, for so many of us, we're so used to saying, Okay, what next? What can I do? What are some of the things like, you know, we have our like list of tools because we Mm -hmm. do a lot of work on ourselves. But what about just sitting in the sock? And yeah. not judging ourselves for sitting in the suck. I think the issue yeah. is when we avoid sitting in the suck, and when we're you know uh, when we can't get out of the suck, when we've sat in the suck for too long. But what I'm seeing is in between that sucked, which is like. We go into the victim spiral, the victim mode, we question ourselves and we go into that spiral. And then the now what part is like Victor mode. Let's go, let's fix, let's do, let's get into all of the action steps. But there's that part, again, vulnerability, the vulnerability Mm -hmm. piece of just simply even acknowledging, wow, this sucks. I actually need help. Or can I... Can we just sit together today? Can I, can you come over? Can you just hold space with me? Can we actually be vulnerable to ask another person that we care about? Hopefully, you do have that in your circle for those listening. But if not, how can you actually build that relationship with another person to go deeper so that you do feel safe so that you can make these requests when big things start to
0: happen? Yeah. I love this so much. And I know you have in the book some science-backed ways to kind of rewire your thought patterns when you're in that kind of victim versus victor mindset. Um, I know you you just talked about, you know, and for those of you who don't see the video clips of this, she put her hand over her heart when she was sharing something vulnerable and it was like a way – I, I'm guessing that's science-backed to self-soothe. Yes. yes, yes. This is definitely a science-backed way to self-soothe because what we're
1: doing is we're regulating, we're we're paying attention. Our awareness is going to our hearts. We're slowing our breathing down and we're catching ourselves, And it's yeah. a way to signal our brain to say, okay, you got this, you got this. Yeah. Another way is to actually anchor, use an anchor. I actually just gave you one okay, the mantra, that sucked, now what? So if you're saying any sort of mantra or any anchor in your mind to really make present the moment that's actually sucking or the time that you're actually in, and it Mm -hmm. could be whatever, I got this, or you are brave, you are strong, or it's let's allow it. Let's allow it. That's another great one that I used to say, let's allow it. Because if you're one to avoid and distract or bypass, then maybe you want to say, let's allow it. And if you're Mm -hmm. the one to actually sit in the suck for too long, maybe you want to say, okay, that sucked. Now what? That sucked. Now what? To actually start to shift and recreate new neural pathways so that you can actually take the next action step. Mm. or whatever it is, whether it's self-nourishment, whether it's prioritizing just softness and a break, and maybe even recognizing what you really need to say no to so that you can allow yourself to fully be in the moment of whatever is coming up for you. Because we all feel and experience our emotions differently when we allow. And that's part of, I have an embodiment practice, an emotional release practice in the book that I go through where it's like, okay, most of us don't even know how to experience an emotion where it's like, oof, okay, that feeling of not enoughness is coming up or unworthiness is coming up. What does that feel like? Where does it feel weird? Mm. Do you feel it like tension headaches? here or does it feel like weird in your gut where you're starting to feel like you have to go to the bathroom or you feeling like you have to have the runs. But like these are all indicators that like something is wonky in our nervous system that we need to collectively just take a breath and yeah. maybe even slow down.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. And I I know that you have a lot of like embodiment practices and ways that you kind of increase your happiness and your joy. So what are some of those sorts of practices or rituals for you to be more embodied, for you to be more joyful that we could share with everybody listening right now, especially if they're about to embark on an uncomfortable conversation and use some of those steps that we just talked
1: about? Oh, yes. Music is everything, honestly, for me in this season of like motherhood and just like craziness many times of just getting back to myself. I think I just shared with you that like I went to a little sensual dance yesterday, but honestly, music has always been that catharsis for me. Uh, sometimes honestly in this stage of life, like with small littles, I don't have the time for like a, a 30 minute meditation, but do I have a time for a three minute song break? Yeah. Uh, do I have time to put like a fun little playlist on? And maybe it's just one song that you dance to, you shake to, you scream to. I have a really fun one that I do for anyone that wants to get silly. And it is an embodiment practice in the book. I go through all of the steps, but there's this, there's this song by cats and boots. It's called the dinosaur dance. Ash, you would love it. You would love it. I do it with the kids. And (laughs) it's like, it's like an EDM song. It's hysterical. I've done it on stage with like 500 people, like both times. (laughs) And it's like, all right, you guys like stomp out the suck. So we stomp out what sucks. So bring to mind a thing that sucks. It could be like you know, somebody talking bad about you, a troll, something that didn't go your way, a failure, a setback, a challenge, a difficult conversation that you need to have and confront somebody about it. So bring that to mind. Feel the suck in your tummy. You want to take three deep breaths when you feel it, but then turn on that song, cats and Boots put it in the show notes. Uh, we're not, we're not affiliated with them, but it's a, it's a great song and it's, um, and it's literally dance like a dinosaur, dance like a dinosaur, like, you know, stomp like a pterodactyl. It's hysterical, but it's so funny because you're stomping out the suck. So you're giving yourself permission to feel enraged or angry, or maybe even sad and then you're giving yourself the space to then move, open your mouth and move that energy, whether it's screaming, whether it's humming, whether it's shouting, because you're increasing, activating your vagus nerve. And you all know vagus nerve, we actually, it helps regulate our nervous system and it helps us calm down. So even when we're yelling and screaming, we're re- we're moving that energy up. And the other way to do it is is because when we put on a ridiculous song like the dinosaur dance, we're not judging ourselves. So we can be silly. We can be enraged. We can feel that. And then we're shaking. We're shaking. We're dancing. We're moving. We're jumping, whatever it is. And then you're giggling the suck. you're giggling what didn't go well because again, you're opening up your vagus nerve. So if you can actually full body laugh for five seconds, it's all you need five seconds but to actually release that energy okay it's some of people call it laughing yoga, but you're actually inviting that playfulness even during a sucky moment. So you're not you know fully releasing it but you're actually transmuting it into something else so that then you can start to integrate the sock and breathe again but when you're breathing on the exhale this time you're actually humming out so you're humming out on the exhale mm-hmm. or buzzing out is what i like to call it with my kids so you're you're doing something like this Bzzz and so it sounds silly, but it's actually soothing to your nervous system. So you should try it.
0: Mm, I love that so much. And I, I feel like these little practical tips kind of reminds me of a sound bath. Like when I really want to calm myself, I go to a sound bath. There's something so scientific around, and there's so much data to show how much sound, is healing and soothing. And if you think about the waves and the ocean and how meditative that is, it's like we are 70% water. So it makes sense that when we put sound on our bodies, it feels soothing and something's getting regulated and our little cells are happy. Um, In my meditation certification, I just was told that we only see 0.0035% of the electromagnetic field with our eyes. Wow. So we basically don't see anything that is in front of us and um, 035%. Oh my god. 0035. Like we don't see anything in the electroma. And so it's just interesting to really realize like how much we take on different things around us and like sound is just one of those things that does so much. Mm-hmm. Um anyhow, I'm I'm so curious to also ask you. I mean, I I feel like you're just full of resources. Um I want to ask you a little bit about your, your resilience and boundaries. Like, I feel like boundaries are so hard okay. for people to set. And, you know, you talked about how to have an uncomfortable conversation and I can't think of something more than like a boundary conversation. Mm. How do you navigate setting boundaries with somebody and how do you keep things in, intact? Or, or, or when do you make a decision to pick your battle? You know, like – Some things are better left, like we talked about at the beginning, better left unsaid. (laughs) So how do you decide, like, this is a little thing I want to poke at and, and make
1: better? Yes. Yes. So if it is something that's been bothering you you know that you need a boundary around it. Like If you feel like you've been getting triggered by somebody or you feel that you've been hurt or you feel that you've been taken advantage of, or you feel like you are up in arms about something, you know that there is a boundary of yours that you either you know or you don't know. And and you know that that now needs to be present and there. That's an indication. It's a red flag that all right, we need to create a boundary either with yourself or with another person. So an example of what that could look like is, all right, you said you wanted to wake up in the mornings early, refreshed at like, you know, 6 a.m. or 6.30 in the morning, whatever it is, and you keep snoozing, you keep snoozing. So then you miss your little morning meditation and then you miss uh, doing whatever morning ritual you wanted to do for that day or, or whatever to kind of rejuvenate yourself. Well, if you back the train up, what were you doing the night before? Well, if the night before you were, you know, Netflixing and you were kind of like, all right, one more episode, one more episode, another episode. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, two extra episodes turns into another two hours that you weren't honoring yourself. Well, there you go. You you need that boundary. Well, how does it look like with another person? Because it's easy to set boundaries for ourselves. Because I was
0: actually just loving you for bringing that up. Because I have never had a guest on a podcast talk about boundaries with yourself. Oh. It, we say like promises we make to ourselves, and we talk about self-esteem that can come from that. But I never hear in a boundary conversation the importance of doing it for us and the ease it's easy to say like, I got to stop eating sugar. Come on, Ashley. Like game on. This is going down. You <laughs> let's know? go. Let's, let's start yeah, I tomorrow. I've got a stop. Cinnabon in the freezer down the hall <laughs> right now as I'm saying this oh exact God. sentence. Oh my <laughs> God. We got a boundary for that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, like, <laughs> you know, when I was on a diet in college, I'd Cinnabon chapstick just to like put a little pep in my stuff. <laughs> stop. I was of like eating it- my chapstick. <laughs> of course it would be you. That's I know because I gained the freshman like forget the fifteen. I gained like the freshman thirty and like it was like all I got is this chapstick. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you kept eating all the wax. Anyway, back to back to you. Like a much more respectable conversation. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, it's, I think that it's, it is easy if we have the intention around the boundaries with ourselves, but it can also be with, you know, our our spending habits, as an example of creating a boundary with yourself, right? Like looking Mm -hmm. at our financial statement. All right, we said we wanted to save 10% this year or this month or this paycheck or whatever. Well, what are we spending it on? Are we, and that's, that's another boundary, the intention around, well, what is my, you know, spend meter going to be for this month if I'm going to actually save this 10%? And these are just small examples, but when we're actually trying to figure out why a boundary with another person, if it's something that you know that it is a non-negotiable for you, that's an indication. Ding, 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 ding. All right, we need to have a conversation around it. If you know your value or your worth is not being respected, and a lot of times this could be in friendship because that's when it'll usually happen, or it can be in a work environment where somebody's demanding so much from you, and you're kind of like, hey, listen, I do not work from X to X amount because. I have X, Y, and Z going on. That's a statement of a boundary. And most of the time we're so afraid with the receiving end, what that's going to look like because we want to be liked and we don't want to ruffle any feathers and we are afraid to state what's going to be nourishing and good for us. So then we become passive aggressive. And then when somebody needs something from us, we're like, oh, what the heck? You're know, you texting me super late at night instead of actually saying, Hey love, I really love and respect our relationship, but you know, I don't really look at my text messages after 7 p.m. and that's just the commitment that I've made for myself. But you're telling you're honoring yourself in that way, but you're also letting the other person know, ah, this is a hard boundary. I don't do that. And it's just recently, you know, spending some time uh, you know, my hometown for the holidays, my amazing family members. And a lot of times your family members are the ones who are going to creep up and overstep the boundaries and not respect the boundaries. But I had to be so clear and say, all right, I love you guys, but we have little ones at home now and we are only going to stay until this time so that they can be in bed by this time so that we can actually be in bed by X time. And they're like, no, but we don't ever see you. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is like, you know, and that's everything to do with them, but you're protecting yourself. And sometimes it's going to cause a rift. There was a rift between family members and I, but I was like, I know, and I love you too. And I know I want to spend so much time with you and we've got to do this for us. Yeah. Yeah. And reinforcing it again. And then doing it, right? They will get upset, but that has nothing to do with you. I think that's the biggest thing we want to reinforce is who the other person's reactions have everything to do with them and nothing to do with you.
0: Mm, Okay. So you're sharing a lot around like mindset and how we can kind of make it safe for ourselves to. Step into what we need, and it's interesting because we—I just interviewed Kristen Neff, Dr. Kristen Neff, on the Self-Compassion book, Uh, and she talks about like when you—you cannot have compassion for other people unless you have it for yourself. Like, how can you provide an experience for another human being that you don't know within yourself at all? Like, how can you do that? So there's a lot of common sense in that. What have I not asked you about your book, about your work, that is so important for everyone to know before they start reading? That sucked. Now what? Yeah. I mean, I think we've gone over
1: quite a bit. I feel like, you know, if, if there's one thing to leave everybody with is let's not be afraid to suck at something new, because I think that many times, you know, I know we've been talking about in the spirit of relationships and in the spirit of, you know, uh, family members and having difficult conversations, but even if you are in the experience of starting something new and being a beginner again, I think that's when a lot of the magic happens. So don't feel afraid to, to actually suck at that aspect because that's, you know, invoking that good stress that builds resiliency and and being, you know, getting out of the soup of being complacent.
0: Right. Right. I love this so much. Where can everybody find your book? Um, I know that we, you know, post-pandemic one in five people have, you know, I was reading that statistic in your media kit about a 40% increase in feelings of sadness, depression, anxiety, like where can everybody find this book? Start kind of nourishing themselves and practicing better boundaries and resilience. Yeah. So you all can get a copy
1: at that and it comes with three incredible bonuses and one of them is a 40 page Colored um, guidebook, and it's a workbook, and it's basically a self healing tool guide to take you through all of like journal prompts and just diving deeper into some of the concepts. So that's one. The second thing is my five day free uh, healing practice. And guess what? It starts on day one with healing your relationships because we all know it starts there, it ends there. And you know that relationships, community, Friendships have really been the key source of my vitality and life and really to to sucky moments. So if you don't know how to create that, uh, there is a guide that I actually give you all away for free. When you buy three books, when you get one for a girlfriend or somebody that you want to get connected to, when you get three books, you actually unlock – um, my 16-page guide to build your soul support posse. And that's friendships, relationships, being that way shower for your community, how to actually create rituals that are two hours long that maybe they don't involve drinking or maybe it involves like a night out of just getting to know each other deeper. But I take you through step-by-step step, and that's free as well on the site, that sucked. com. Thank you
0: so much again for being here. I just am so like lucky that I get to be your friend.
1: Oh, I love, I love spending all the time with you love. I think we just, we not only have so much fun, but I think you're just one of those humans that you just know how to make people feel so seen and so heard. And I just hope you know that. Yeah.
0: That means a lot. Thank you so much. What a love fest.